Okay, here we go. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave Himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talk or crude joking are not suitable, but rather give thanks. For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Okay, there's a paragraph break. Light versus darkness. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible, for what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. So, what I want you to know tonight is that we're going to talk about living in the light. And so we're going to move from learning to yearning by discerning so that we can keep the light burning for Christ. Now, I mean, I came up with that today. The Lord bless, and I was like... Good job, Cole. Even Dr. Mike said it was good. I was very proud of myself. So, thank you, my boy. So last week, do we remember what we were talking about? Cut it out. So, last week, in all of chapter 4, what were we talking about? You can look back. It should be towards the left side of your page if you need flip. Anyone? Well, so we were talking about living and learning about Jesus. All right, y'all three, that's your last chance. So just chill. One, one, two, three. You are now. So be chill. So Paul is writing to them. Now remember, why do you write a letter to someone? Tell them something. Yeah, right? Tell them something. Check in on them. Paul is doing two things. He's telling them something. He's checking in on them. And so he's, he's telling them in all of chapter 4, I want you to learn about who Jesus is and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then he uses this transitioning word in verse 1. What does it say? The first word. Therefore. So he says, all right, all this stuff, A, B, C, and D, therefore, now let me tell you what to do. So he's saying, hey, we have to be moving towards imitating in Christ. And we're challenged to be imitators of God. Now, like I said, previously Paul urged us to know about Christ, to learn about Him by reading His words, these letters and the Gospels that are circulated in this time, and to not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you think... He's telling us, therefore, be imitators of God. In what ways do you think you cannot imitate God? All His holy divine attributes. Good. So we can't imitate God in in knowledge, in strength, or in power, right? We're not gods. 
We can't imitate Him like that. And Paul explains it. He says, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave Himself for us. So what is he saying? How do we imitate God? We live like who? Christ. By being forgiving. We love others. Um, and we're self-sacrificial. So that is how we can imitate God. And David, you were wise to point out that there's no way we should even attempt to imitate God's holy divine attributes because we are not like Him. But this whole idea is now that Paul has written this letter, he's on the fifth of the sixth chapter, and he's saying, I've told you all these things, now you need to do something about it. Okay, so for example, I think some of you were testing today. So... In some ways, testing is like, okay, you've learned all this information, hopefully. Hopefully you've learned it. (laughs) We'll find out one way or another. But now we need to move towards a different goal. So we need you to do something about it. And a test is a common way to determine whether or not you've learned anything. And so Paul is saying, I've taught you all this stuff. Now you need to go out and do it. And so that's very clear. So we should be, we should be moving towards imitating in Christ. How do we do that? We do that by yearning. Someone define that word. What does it mean to yearn? To want. Just to want? How strongly? Yeah, well done. That was the word I was looking for. You develop a deep desire to do something. To, so to yearn for God, do you think in verses 3 through 5, He's saying this is how you are going to yearn for him. Someone read verses 3 through 5. But sexual immorality and any other impurity or greed should not even be heard among you as is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For for no one recognizes this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idol. Mm-hmm. Does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Well done. So is he saying this is what people who yearn for the Lord look like? No. No, he says, um, actually, don't do these things. And he's actually saying it's not proper for saints. So he's saying, hey, he's kind of using a negative play on things. And he's saying, if you do all of these things, you're not as you say you are. You're not being imitators of God. You are not a proper saint. Um, Does anyone remember in the previous chapters of this book where he said something similar to that? Maybe maybe if you turn to chapter 2 and you read verses 3 and 4, you might be surprised. Macy, chapters 2, verses 3 and 4. Ephesians, same book, yes. Even though? Oh, I thought it was just three and four. Even oh, I'm sorry. You are saved by grace. Yes, thank you. I'm sorry. Um, so he's not saying, all right, if you've been, if you've ever been sexually immoral in your life, you can never be saved. If you've ever been obscene or talked foolishly, which I know some of you have done and I've done. If you've ever made crude joking, uh, then you're never to be saved. Is that what he's saying? No, he's saying 
if you have been saved, don't do these things anymore. Yearn to be holy. And so last week we said we're putting off the what, Jack? The old self. And we're putting on the new self. So if we put off the old self, should we keep acting that way? No, we shouldn't. We should be proper saints. Now, does that mean you're perfect? No, we've talked about this all the time. Sanctification is an ongoing process. But we need to understand that there's a way to live properly and there's a way to live improperly. And because of what Christ has done for you, if you have repented of your sins and you have been saved, then you should begin more and more as you grow older and you mature in your faith. You should yearn to please Him. You should yearn to be like Him. Um, and, and you should learn and understand the reality of what you stand to inherit. Why do you think verse 5 at the end, it says, Paul is very clear. Now, if you're writing a letter and you say, for know and recognize this, colon, do you think he's like, hey, pay attention to this, right? That's a, like if we wouldn't use the same language, but if I'm writing a letter to Macy and I wanted to make sure she said something or I'm writing something to Maddox, I'd be like, pay attention to this, comma. And Paul basically says, pay attention to this. Every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or of God. What does that mean? They're not truly saved. They've, they've never put off the old self. All right, They may think they have. They're an idolater. They may, they may do all the right things. They may uh, say all the right words, but inside of them... There's been no spiritual change. There's been no redemption. There's been no forgiveness of sin. And so Paul is saying, if you do all of these things, it doesn't necessarily mean that you, you, you haven't been saved. But if it is your identity, if your whole life looks like this list of things that he has given, then you should be concerned about your salvation. You should be concerned whether or not you stand to inherit the kingdom of God. And so that's a, big, that's a big warning on this letter is, look, you need to evaluate how you live. And if it's constantly improper living, then you need to sit down and pray and evaluate how you live. And so if we are not yearning, then that's a red flag. And so we understand already we're moving from learning to serving, and we develop a sense of yearning. But to do that, we have to be discerning discerning. Now, what does that word mean? Discernment. What does that word? To like understand the heart and to like, you know, like, I guess understand the good word. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But do you think it's like a surface level understanding? Uh, like, like to know. Or like a real, like you... I feel like that's like the process of doing good. Yes, yes. The process of determining what is right or wrong, the next step to take. I like to say wisdom. Discernment is wisdom. Wisdom can be can be discerned. But not wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. What? Like more like wisdom. Yes. Yeah. That's like when you get partial credit on tests like you. You get, you get 0.25 points. So it's wisdom in action. In verses 6 through 10, um, who wants to read that? Verses 6 through 10. All right, Jack, let's have it, bud.
For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of your light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Well done. So we have, we just defined discernment. Now, Emma, you tell me what is deception. We have discernment and then we have deception. What does it mean to deceive someone? Like make them think something's happening and then something else is actually happening. Trick them. Yeah, Yeah, so to trick them. Yeah, good, good definition. To deceive someone. So, so Paul starts off by saying, hey, let no one deceive you with empty arguments for God's wrath is coming on the disobedience because of these things. Now, what are these things? The previous list he gave, right? He gave that whole list in the beginning of chapter 5. And then he says, hey, let no one deceive you saying, now, what might that look like? Now, I don't know what it looks like in your life as a teenager, but maybe if I can share with you when I was a teenager, I have friends that would say, you know what? God doesn't care what I do. He'll forgive me. I'm just going to do, I'm going to live how I want to live. He'll forgive me. God is loving. Or they would say to me, I'll go to church later in life. I'll get right with the Lord later in life. That's what people said to me when I was a teenager. And is that, a, is that an empty argument? Is that deception? Are they being deceived by somebody? Right? Because we know that we're never promised tomorrow, right? And, and, and I, look, I'm not here to scare you, but today was a great example that whether this person meant a joke or not, that people are out there in the world that mean to harm others sometimes. And it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible, sinful thing. But we can't guarantee that we'll live to be 80. So if Jack's like, I'm not going to worry about the Lord right now, which I know this is not true, but I'm gonna, I'm, when I have kids when, when I'm in my 40s or my 30s, that's when I'll go back to church. That's an empty argument, right? You're deceived. Or if Andrew's like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. God, I know that God forgives me. He won't care what I do. That's also not true because he sent his son to die for us and our sins is what nailed him to that cross. So obviously God cares very deeply about what we do. And so that's what Paul is saying. Don't let people trick you into these empty arguments that God will not punish sinners because he will and he has and he will continue to do so. And the only thing that keeps us from suffering that punishment is who? Christ dying on this, Christ taking the the blame and all the weight of our sins and the and the penalty of our sins in our place. Because if anyone deserves to be on the cross for being bad, it would be me, right? I'm worse than all of you. At least that's what I think. I think I am. Yes, I'm older. I've done bad things. But the point of point of Paul is saying is don't don't be deceived by their their arguments that God doesn't care about what they're doing. He does care. And then he says, Paul goes on to say, he says, hey, actually, do not become their partners. Um, for you were once in darkness, but you are now in light, in the, in the light of the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So what I think he's saying is those who practice disobedience are easily deceived, and those who practice obedience develop discernment. Does that make sense? So if you are disobedient, I think you are more likely to be deceived. 
And if you are obedient, I think you're more likely to understand and build wisdom in your decision making and make good decisions as you become an older adult, as you go to college, as you determine what you're going to do for the rest of your life. That's when it matters that you're seeking the Lord so that He may guide you and you live a life of uh, something that is pleasing to the Lord. And we read in chapter 4, 21 through 24, the old self is gone and we keep putting that off. Now, do you think once I've been saved, Brody, um, that if once I put the, the old self off one time, do you think that's good? Yeah. It's something I have to do all day, every day, sometimes. Some days are harder than others. Some days I struggle with old sins and I have to keep pushing the old self off. And so by being someone who's obedient and learning how to discern, I turn my life as a duty, D-U-T-Y, into delight. Because... Here's, here's a real world. Here's some adult wisdom. Do you think, even if you get the job of your dreams, do you think it's going to be great every day? No. No, it's not. Now, I personally think I do have the world's best job because every day is just, it's not easy, but I get to see you halfway through the week, and I'm like, I'm the, I am the world's most blessed guy. That's how I feel about all of you. I love you so much that when I got that email today, I was, I was very upset because I was like, I... About the school. I was like, I love my kids. I'll fight everybody. Well, can't talk about that. But the point being, every day in this life, because of the presence of sin, there'll be some hard days. And sometimes there may be a season of hard days. Things may happen to you, like things that have, that have happened to me in April this last year that make things difficult for a little bit of a while. They make your heart hurt for a while. But by learning how to serve God and, and to be obedient to Him, the everyday duty of being a Christian and living becomes a delight. You have joy. And even in the really difficult times when things that are going on, you're like, what is happening in my life? God gives you stability. God gives you a sense of purpose. God gives you a sense of grace to continue because what is grace? Undeserved love towards sinners. And so He gives you what you need to continue, but you have to understand and to discern like I, there is a way I don't need to live and there is a way that I do need to live. Does that mean Simon's perfect? No, it doesn't. No one expects Simon to be perfect. I don't expect you to be perfect, Simon. I don't. Um, but... God is calling you to live a different life than what everybody else is doing. So we, we move from learning to yearning by discerning. And the last thing that should be happening if we do all of those things is that our lives should ever be burning for who? God. For Christ. Absolutely. So I'm going to read verses 10 through 14. So just hang on. It says, Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up sleeper and rise up from the dead and Christ will shine upon you. So, what, is he, what does he mean by be light, don't participate? Okay, yes. Good answer. What else? Do you think, as Christians, that we just turn our nose up at everybody and we're like, I don't do those things? Especially a lot of people do it peer pressure. 
Yeah. So a lot of people are like, I don't do those things. So what? Let's hang out with that idea, Griffin. So Griffin says, I don't like those people. No, I know what you mean. I don't like those people either because I can't. I don't live up to that standard. All right, that's an unbelievable standard. But it makes, it like, it makes people like like think negatively. Well, sidebar, Christians, it's okay to say I don't want to do these things or I'm not going to stand for those things. But to take pride over it is silly because if anyone deserves to be judged, it's us. And a true Christian understands that it's not by their works that they're saved. It's by God's grace. And so even though we do want to say no to things that are impure and unholy, we don't mock people, right? Because God saved us from our sins, not because Gavin was just this good kid and he was like, wow, Gavin, you're, you're good enough. He's actually said, Gavin, you're not anywhere close to good. You're just like Cole. You're really bad. And someone needs to die in your place. And that was Jesus. So, so what we understand is that it's more than Griffin not just participating but it's proclamation. Now, what does that word mean? Proclamation. To announce. To announce. So you're not actually saying, you're not turning your nose up at people, but you are saying if someone's like, hey, do you want to do X, Y, Z? And you say, no, um, that's not how I choose to live my life because of, because of what Christ says in the Bible. And so that's a different answer, right? Okay, than saying like, I just don't want to do that. Than saying, I don't do this because... Christ has called me to a different life. And so faithful believers um, do more. We do more than abstaining from evil. Um, We also denounce the deeds of darkness. And so what I mean by that is that, let me think of an example in my life. Um, Here's a crazy story that's happened since I've been at this church. Someone uh, from April's past life started to threaten me online. A boy, right? A boy. It was kind of scary. I don't know who this guy is. Never met him in my life. Starts to send me really mean emails, and they're got a lot of bad language in it. And I'm like, all right, is someone going to come shoot me? Like, you know, I don't know. And so instead of being in fear, I was like, God, please protect me. And instead of just being like, hey, man, leave me alone, I was like, man, what you're doing is wrong. Not because I'm this perfect person, but God tells, tells us not to, to be angry towards one another. I don't know what your problem is, but you, you need to leave me alone. You need to leave my life alone um, because we're focused on different things. And so it's one, I don't just walk around pointing at people like, Macy, don't do that. Or Emma, don't do that. Or, Hush. <laughs> I never should have told you. Uh, so I, I don't walk around just telling you what not to do. I say, hey, I don't want you to do that because of X, Y, Z. God has this plan for your life. God calls you to this type of holiness. God calls you to this type of standard. Um, and, and that gets harder as you get older. It really does. You know, you think things like peer pressure and anxiety and these things go away when you get older, but they don't. Um, they just get more difficult. People pressure you into weirder things like I want to spend this money to keep up with this person. It's the same type of thing. But you still have to learn by discerning and then burning for the Lord how to live a holy life, how to live a light of life. So instead of telling people to not do it because it's wrong, you're basically leading them towards my path? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's good. Good, Simon. So, I mean, I still say things are wrong because of what God's Word says. I'm not, what I guess I'm saying is like I'm not defining 
like I, Cole thinks it's wrong because Cole thinks it's wrong. I think that's not a good answer because who am I to say what's like, I don't make up what's right and wrong. God makes up what's right and what's wrong. And so I'm like, you know, Simon, I don't think you should do this because it is wrong and it could harm you. It may not harm you today. It could harm you in 10 years. But here's why. And, and, and the Bible speaks to all of our problems. The Bible is sufficient. So when we say the Bible is sufficient, what I mean by that, what does, anyone, does anyone know what I mean by that when I say the Bible is sufficient? For all of, all of time, right? So just because the Bible is thousands of years old, since God inspired it, we believe the Bible is sufficient to handle all of the problems that we face even in 2023. Now, things like transgenderism is not explicitly mentioned in the Bible. But in Genesis 2, God talks about how He created man and female, male and female, in His image. So we can even take those words and understand that God did not make a mistake when He created people. And so we use the Bible so that there's no pressure on me to be like, well, I better ask Simon how I should live because he knows what to do. No, Simon knows what to do because the Bible tells him. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm going to break with that. Mm-hmm. What? So, uh, what was the... <laughs> was that Spanish? Yeah. What was the... It was. <laughs> Wasn't it? Yes, it was. Was this Hispanic? Yeah. He said, I have a question. Yeah. I thought I was trying to see you trying to listen to it. <laughs> so, what was the city that, uh, that turned to, uh, that, like, Sodom and Gomorrah? Sodom and Gomorrah. 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 Sodom and Sodom and Gomorrah. 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 That God was hearing um, for their sins rising up to Him, and and um, it was an incredibly sinful place. It was, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you can look when when uh, when uh, the uh, when they're is it Lot? I can't remember. Abraham and Lot are are brought into this guy's house, and the men of the town start to close around the house, and they say, "Come out, so that we may know them." So biblically speaking, that word no has like sexual connotations because if you go to Genesis where Adam knew his wife, that means that they consummated their marriage. So that means that they waited until they were married to have a sexual relationship, and that word no means that they intimately knew one another. So you then fast forward to Genesis where, where these men are saying, come out so that we may know you. It's not like so I can get to know you as a person. They're basically saying I want to, to have a homosexual relationship with you. And the perversion of that situation is even weird because... Wasn't it also done with the angel too? And, and, and like, yeah, and they wanted to meet those men. And, and they went. And the house owner makes a really weird statement. He's like, you can have my daughters, which is sinful, right? He, I just read that. And so it's, it's, it was a very sinful situation. But getting back on track, we do more than just not participate. We proclamate, which I think is a word, the goodness of the Bible and the truth of God's Word. So, and, and by doing so, we become a burning light for Christ. Now, let's think about lighthouses. There's one kind of close to us in Biloxi, right? It's kind of famous because during Katrina, it, it, it stayed standing. It kind of became a beacon, and for a while, it was, on the, it was on the tag for Mississippi because it was this symbol of hope during the start, uh, d- difficult times. Now, in your heads, in your brilliant heads, Reese. 
Think for a second how far away you can see a lighthouse. Just make a guess. 15 miles. Okay, 15 miles? 20 miles. 20? I'd say on so it's about 28 miles. Oh, I was close. So think about how far away that is. What's 28 miles from us right now? Uh, Gulfport. Gulfport. So that means hypothetically that Maddox should be living so fervently and yearning so much to be like Christ that like a lighthouse, he can be seen from a far distance away. So it means that we, we illuminate everything that we touch, not literally, okay? But we, the, the places we go into, people say, wow, that Brody Niles kid is different. Or I illuminate the people I come into contact contact with like wow Cole treats his wife differently than most people I wonder why that is and so we want the light of Christ in our hearts burning so brightly which is what he talks about he says live as children of light for the fruit of light consists of all goodness righteousness and truth so let's talk briefly before we end how we can practically put that to use? How can that be useful to you in your life? So how can you have a practical pursuit of God in your life? Now, don't think about yourself as a group. Think about yourself as, an individual, as, as a Gavin, as a Caroline, as a Presley. How can you have a practical pursuit of God? Be faithfully involved in church. Be faithfully involved in your time with the Lord in prayer and studies of Scripture. Be faithful to, to serve and to tell others about Jesus. I think those are great things. To be faithful and involved. Um, those are great things. And especially the idea of inviting other Christians to join in with you. right? Because we talk about all the time how we don't live as Christians on an island. right? We don't do it alone. Christ never called us to... to to go out alone. The fact that Christ, the, the very Son of God, God Himself, chose 12 people to go with Him tells us a lot that we need to know about community. That, that the very Son of God didn't do this alone. That he, he, now, He did the part that mattered most alone. He was the only one that was perfect and died for our sins on the cross. But He still took 12 men to help Him accomplish what He was going to accomplish. So, what does it mean to denounce the deeds of darkness? And how can you do that in your life, Macy? How can you do that in a big public school that's scary? Instead of just calling people out on stuff, you can tell them why it's wrong. And be gracious, right? What if God, every time you messed up, like thunderclapped and He like knocked, knocked you to the ground and was like, you better get your act together. I mean, He deserves to say that. But how does He respond to us? He graciously forgives us, right? For those of us that are earnestly seeking Him, He graciously forgives us. And so when people make mistakes, Simon, we don't run up to them and just like slap them five times in the face, but like, get your life together. Now, if it's like a super serious thing, like I had one of my closest friends um, just went to rehab because he's, he's had a problem, like a serious problem with alcohol his whole life. When we graduated college, I was driving him around town because he had had, already had three DUIs, about 24 which generally speaking, when you get your third one in Mississippi, you have to go to prison for a year. But he got out of that by doing a couple of days in jail. He had to stay in jail for like five days. And I thought, surely this got, it's gotten this man's attention like he has a problem. But I didn't, you know, I didn't 
didn't slap him. I was like, man, you got to get your life together. God has more in store for you. You've got to make a decision like, who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve alcohol? Or are you going to turn over to the Lord? Well, fast forward 13 years, and he's finally, God's finally got a hold of him just now. So think about how gracious God has been in 13 years as one guy continues. I mean, we're talking about a sin that he does repeatedly. Now, he's probably going to die earlier because he's probably going to have his body's been abused. He's going to have to pay a natural consequence, but God has forgiven him of the eternal consequences so that he can live eternally. But God has been gracious to him, right? That's a long time to make the same old mistake over and over and over again. And so when we see our friends doing that, sometimes we have to be serious with them. Like, dude, you got to, I text him like, dude, you got to, his dad called me. He was like, you got to call him. I was like, you, he was in the hospital. He was very sick. I was like, man, you got to go, you got to go to rehab. Like, there's no, there's no way around it. Like, you've got, you've got to go. But I, I mean, I wasn't like, I, I can't believe you're in this position. I, I'm so disappointed in you. I mean, I was disappointed in him because he's one of my good friends. But I was like, you've got, you've got to straighten up. Like, this may be the last chance you get. You, you could die. And uh, praise God, it got through his head, and, and he's made some changes, and he's, he's on a path of sober living. So we are gracious, too, to others as, and, and to ourselves as we make mistakes. But we still denounce the deeds of darkness. Now, think about the three questions I just asked you. What was the order in? Did I say, go to people first and call them out? I said, Look at yourself first, right? Look at look at Macy, look at Presley, look at Reese, look at Bubba, look at Gab, look at yourself first. Then get right with the Lord yourself first before you start pulling the planks out of everybody else's eyes. Be aware of the ones that can be in yours. Okay? So remember, we, we know a lot about Christ, but we have to move from that learning aspect into a yearning aspect to serve Him. And we do that by being obedient by developing discernment and wisdom, by doing what is right because He gives us the grace to do what is right. And then by doing what's right, we become a bright light in our community, in our school, in our home, in our family, etc., etc. And we live for the Lord and help others to live for the Lord and call others out of darkness to live for the Lord. Amen and amen. That's good.